London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEG. Open makes more possible. Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of Kings of the Podcast. Buckle up, here we go! Welcome to the Decasode, DB. This is the spooky edition, the Halloween edition. Yep. The <laughs> it sure is, John. The, the Dia de los Muertos that edition. Power play, that penalty kill is pretty spooky. Uh, okay, let's get into it. Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is Kings of the Podcast. John Hoven, the mayor here, along with Dennis Bernstein, DB. Are you alive or are you with the power play? Are you dead? <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm, You're ready I'm to ready. go? Yeah, I'm a week away from going to Stockholm, but let's do this because it was another intriguing night at Staples Center. Hey, it's good times this season. It's a roller coaster, <laughs> peaks and valleys. We've covered all of it before. DB, we were going to lead the show off tonight with goals for and goals against and get into that, but let's just leave the goals for and goals against to the side for a second sure. here. Um, we had some new line combinations uh, on display here at Staples Center tonight. Carl Grunstrom called up. He's on the top line with Kopitar and Carter. And on the second line, somehow you had uh, Ayafalo with Kempe and Wagner. That felt more like the third line to me. But then on the, on the real third line, allegedly, you had uh, Kovalchuk with Lazat and Dustin Brown. And then down on the fourth line, Kyle Clifford, uh, Perkorkin, and Trevor Lewis. Uh, well, let's start in the, in the middle on the second line, DB. I mean, yeah. breaking news here, Adrian Kempe coming in with a completely different look. I mean, just, he's a, <laughs> did he go to Floyd's? Haircut, two bits, let's go. Yeah, so he's, he's all cleaned up. The flow is gone. I guess he's going to be really serious about his game now. Hey, look, he's really serious because, if, and I should just, John, um, the guy, Sean Turney, who does uh, chartinghockey.ca, just signed up for his, uh, his website. Adrian never shoots from the slot. Like the little triangle in front of the net, he doesn't go to the net. He's been a perimeter player all season. He went to the net tonight, got a deflection, got a goal. So hopefully that augurs well for him and he can start scoring for this team that desperately needs scoring, uh, both at even strength and on a power play. History has shown, DB, though, that yeah. in the National Hockey League, when you cut your hair, much like in pro <laughs> wrestling, you lose your power. Um, you look at Scott Hannon. His career was never the same after he cut his hair. Chris Letang kind of trimmed it up a little bit, and he's been injury-prone ever since. So cutting your hair is not a good thing. I hope it works Two for you. Two assists in 12 games, John. I think nothing to go but up. I think okay. it's a good move. <laughs> okay. Well, so all of a sudden now you're on the Adrian uh, Kempe bandwagon because he's, not yet. he's, he's shaved. <laughs> he cleaned haircut. up his act. That's okay. Oh, he cleaned Let's it go. up. Okay. Um, on the top line, I did mention Carl Grunstrom. He was on fire down with the Ontario yeah. Reign, five goals in four games. Uh, he picked up an apple tonight uh, playing up top. Look, who's next? After Grunstrom, who, who comes up next? Uh, Matt Luff. Okay, I'm going to tell you why it's Matt Luff. There are two Please. candidates to come up. Matt Luff or Anderson Dolan would be the right. two prime candidates. Kapari needs some more time in the American League before he comes up. Great. Matt Luff is a winger, and Anderson Dolan is a center. center right. And I think that with their glut of centers... Uh, especially with Perkorkin up here now, and you have Amadio and, and that. And we'll, we'll, let's, let's get into Blake Lazat. But I think that 
that Luff being a winger, that gives them more options, and yeah. that would be one of the main reasons why you would Agreed. see Luff up. And, and he's played well, uh, and we'll get into that during the rain report. Because why would period. you recall Anderson Dolan to healthy scratch him? Makes zero sense, right? Well, that and also in the fact that if you're going to get Anderson Dolan up here, you really almost want to put him into the 2C, and that's not going to be the role he's going to play in the NHL. Right. He's really a 3C, so you're better off letting him get major minutes down in Ontario. Agreed. Um, any other thoughts on, on the third line, though? Uh, we covered the first two lines. You had 17 with 46 and 23. I don't understand Dustin Brown being on the third line, but you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think they're showcasing Jeff Carter. I think that's what they're doing. I mean, you, you and we can mention this now or later, but they had 21 scouts or team executives here tonight, John. I mean, I, I think that Todd's statement in Chicago um, kind of set up a flare to other teams. And <laughs> they sent the two people from Montreal were here. Pierre Dorian was here from Ottawa. His team is not on the West Coast. So uh, very intriguing. So I think it's to get Jeff Carter going, and Jeff got two goals tonight. So maybe you know, maybe that's it. So that, that's my thinking about that because I agree with you. I think you, big picture, Kopitar and Brown are going to play together. But mm-hmm. in the short term, I have no problem with Todd rotating everything. And Todd said it tonight in the post-game press conference. He ran with these lines that he had for 12 games. Yes. And then it was good for 10 games. The last two games weren't good. He made changes like any coach would. And if I could digress a little bit here, the people that that said and put it out there that Todd McClellan is not a fit for this team after 12 games when you knew the team was going to be bad and they are bad – you don't know what you're talking about. You I haven't know. watched this team. You haven't <laughs> talked to the players. So anybody that says that he's not a fit at this early juncture is is just uninformed and haven't watched this this team. So please, it is, it is one of the most when you asked me about it earlier tonight. It is one of the most asinine things that I have heard in quite some time in a sport and you know in a world where we hear asinine things on Twitter every day, all day. Todd McClellan, I've I've said this. You you've said it. We agree. Perfect coach. Right time. Um, and everything that we thought was going to happen prior to him coming on on board has played out the way that we expected it to. The players loved him. He's commanded the respect of the veterans. The young guys are learning from him. It, the, it's this The insipid is- thing, John, is that the people that picked this team to come in last are now blaming the coach for being in last. It makes no sense. No, it, it makes doesn't. no sense. So, please. Okay, so let's I move on. want to get that off my chest. Okay, um, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, okay. So that was, that was your goal against right there. <laughs> That's my it goal took against. all three of your goals against. It sure did. Uh, I emptied the chamber, John. Look, 77 on the top line just makes a ton of sense. I talked about it over the summer as well. Yep, you want to get 77 or 73 is who you want playing up there. Get some uh, trade value going. Build that asset or those assets. And, and look, Carter looked good up there tonight. But I do want to say this, though, DB. I am not down on Jeff Carter this year. I've said this a few times already. I like the play of Jeff Carter this year most games. I think when you look at the 13 games as a body of work, I like Jeff Carter's performance this year. And he's been great in the faith. He's been their best faceoff guy percentage-wise. And even Todd said tonight he's played well this season. So I'm, I'm not down on him either. But again, if you're trying to transition this team, and he does have value, and, and I think as a Kings fan, you want to root for Jeff Carter to have a great season yep. and raise his trade value, and you get three assets at the trade deadline. Now people whoa, are whoa, expect- whoa. You're not getting three assets for Jeff Carter. Well, you're not. Once you, he scores 20 goals. Up if he has 20 goals, at, the, at okay, I still don't think you're getting three assets. Okay. At this point, I think the Kings would be happy. Keep with, hope alive, John. With one, okay, well, that's fine. Um, as long <laughs> but, as, But I'm saying you just raise his trade value. Of course, you want to raise the trade assets, value. You yeah. want to get people interested because, let's be honest, there was not a lot of interest at the trade deadline last year. There was probably one team, team. that was kind of interested. Yeah. Uh, maybe two. Nashville. <laughs> but, well, in Boston to a certain yeah. degree. But the point and is... Boston was more interested the, in Tyler. The, the point yeah. is neither neither team was overly interested or a deal for Jeff Carter would have been made. So, um, okay, look. Beyond beyond the forwards uh, that played, 73, Tyler Toffoli sat. 
and uh, that ended a streak of 207 yep. games at the NHL level. I mean, that's that's nothing to sneeze at. That's 207 games of, of consecutive NHL play. Mm-hmm. And Ty has certainly had his struggles. And uh, it was time for McClellan to send a message, and he did. And what he said in the post game was, it was not to send a message to the team because you don't send a message to the team through one player. Right. It was a message to Tyler Toffoli. That game in Chicago was abhorrent. Minus four, no shots on goal, no compete, 13 minutes, sat on the bench. He earned it. He earned his streak getting snapped. Um, he started off solid this season. He has, what, three goals, I think, so far. So, I mean, some people say, well, that forecast out to, projects out to 30 goals. Well, it does. Technically, it does. But his play has fallen off, and he earned that benching, John. So I have no problem with it. And I have no problem with any roster moves that or any lineup changes that, that Todd will make here because he's trying to find his way as well. Yes. He's still trying to find his way. Yes. Uh, although, it, look, I, I think that one thing I like that McClellan is saying is he's, t- he's taking things because it's such a small sample size in period segments rather than, like, five-game segments. You know, it's down to the period level. Like He's being granular? Okay. Yeah, you know, hey, Ty has had, you know, two bad periods out of the last three. Or, you know, those... Yeah. Uh, it's, it's an interesting... Uh, Analysis? Way, uh, it's yeah. an interesting way to be so transparent with the media. Um, on the defensive side of things, though, 27 was with eight. Alec Martinez, you typically put him on the second pairing just to spread things out a little bit. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't like him up there with Drew Doughty, personally. I don't I don't like that combination, especially considering how thin this defense is. I'm still waiting for Drew to earn the $11 million he's getting this year. I'm not sure who you're going to bang on more this year, Drew Doughty or Adrian Kempe. Or Toffoli. Uh, I, I just don't think he's not, he, he's not John Carlson. He's not Eric Carlson. He's not... He's not the $11 million player, but I expect here. He hasn't, except for the Calgary game, because he's extra motivated because he's yes. playing Kachuk, he hasn't been a difference maker. Oh, he wasn't the no one tonight. I mean, he, he just, he, he hasn't, you know, John, he used to, back in the day, take control of games. And the, I don't see, I didn't see it last season. I don't see it this season. I've only seen it one time this year. I saw it in right. the Calgary game. He, he yeah. did, he did, he controlled the Calgary game here yeah. at home I'm talking about. Yeah. He was absolutely in control yeah. of that game. They need more of that, John. That, that's why I'm not, I'm not banging on Drew. Just my expectations are very, very high because of that very high cap hit. Well, and also because of the talent that is there as well. I mean, whether he was making $8 million or $11 million, to me, Drew Doughty is one of the best defensemen in the NHL, and you want to see that on a more consistent basis. Um, look, this is the worst defensive team in the National Hockey League. Uh, they gave up tonight their 15th power play goal. Yep. Uh, that's a league worst. Uh, we know, you know, Besser had a hat trick. Uh, this is the, but here's the interesting thing. Yeah, you pointed it out. This the is game. the third time this year they've given up at least three power play goals in one game. So that means that of the 15 they've given up, that's nine power play goals in just three games, which means they've only Ten. given up huh? four tonight. Or four. Okay, fine. They've given up 10, 10 in just, three games. Yeah. Just call let's call it a, an average of, of uh, or, or 10 in those three games. But the other five have come in just 10 games. Yeah. So this goes back to my point about this is the tale of two teams. You either get the one team that shows up and they only give up half a power play goal per game. Right. Or you get the other team that shows up, which showed up tonight against Vancouver, and they're giving up three or four, in this case, power play goals in one game. Yeah. It's two different teams. It is. And they gave up four against Vancouver tonight. They gave up three against, I think, St. Louis as well. And I went back and I thought it might have been maybe Vancouver just has their number. But Vancouver, I think, only got one in the game in the 8-2 win. So it wasn't them. But, it, yeah, it just tonight, bad reads, bad clearing, just bad everything from this team, penalty kill-wise. But, John, as we've said ad nauseum, this is a valley. And it's been a now it's a pretty deep valley. This team has three games in a row has not executed well defensively, and I don't know how you fix it. I think it's still a team trying to learn systems, but I think it's and I asked Todd about the penalty kill, like what specifically is going on? Is it execution? Is it decision making? Is it the physical? Is it a physical errors? When I mean, this bad, it's it's everything, 
right? Yes. They have to correct a lot of things with respect to the penalty kill. Well, um, I also, earlier in the year, DB had projected this team to win about two games in every five. You know, that, that's an average. It's not always going to work out perfectly. Right. It did work out perfectly over 10 games. They had won four out of their first 10 games. Now we're into that third grouping of five games. They're going to need to win a couple games here real quick. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, what you have well, Chicago coming in on Saturday. Well, they that need, should be a winnable game. They need to make amends for the Chicago performance they had last Sunday. Okay, so that's one win. They, that's one win. Potentially. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's one win. All right, then they need to get one more in this group of five here. Uh, look, we did another uh, poll of Palooza DB. We surveyed the fans. We asked them uh, six different yes. questions. Great really questions, by the way, John. Really, really well, thank you. Yes. Um, one of them came from you as well. Um, so it was a team effort here. On, so you on, had five great questions. on Kings the podcast. <laughs> first question, DB. Uh, let's let's get into this here. The first question from the fans was: Were they happy with the call up of Grundstrom? And if not, who would they like to see called up? And seventy six percent of them said they were happy with the call up of Grundstrom. Of course, he was coming off five goals in four games with Ontario. Yep. And anybody who follows me on Twitter was aware of that because um, I've, I've been tweeting a lot about him. New hashtag, right? Yes, new hashtag, Goldstrom. Goldstrom, I like it. Which it's is great. Good. good. Um, only 5% each on the votes for Matt Luff or for Anderson Dolan. And then this was interesting. I threw this one in there. Does anybody want to leave all the kids, Grundstrom, Luff, Jod, leave them all in Ontario and call up somebody like Martin Furk, who, by the way, he's been scoring like a madman down there from the top of the circle, 13%. Liked that idea. I'll be honest. I thought it would have been a little bit more on the idea to call up Ferk and leave the kids down there because I'm sensing on Twitter through the Kings fan base, I'm sensing a growing uh, call to arms for keeping everybody together in Ontario and having a dominant, dominant season down there. That's because you're accepting what this team is about right now. You have to accept it, that this is not a playoff contention team. This is a team that's looking for the future. Wait, hold on. Say that again because I'm not sure everybody heard that. What did you just say about the playoffs? Uh, they're not a playoff contender. John. This is they're not, not gonna, a playoff contender. They're, they're not going to win seven in a row. They're not, John, they're not the St. Louis Blues or the Washington Nationals who were in last place, and they're going to miraculously rise okay. to winning a, a a cup this season. Clip that tomorrow then and we'll just keep, we'll pin that to the top of our Twitter then so that people can get on it. So, uh, so did, did, did the voting surprise you at all? Uh, you know, key, no, I, I like 76%. I, I want to reward the kids who perform down there. And you know, um, I, DB, I asked you about this off air right before we went on and I was, I was joking about uh, is tonight is part of the uh, lack of production tonight, I think it was 22 shots on goal or somewhere right. in that range, was tonight part of the lack of production? Could it be blamed on the fact that so many guys were playing with new uh, line, line mates in the sense of Kopitar, for example? He had right. Carter up on his wing, who he doesn't play with very often, if ever, and then he had Grunstrom on the, on the left, left side. side. Yep. And I even asked Kopitar about it because I was telling you that what I would expect is that normally when you ask them about getting new line mates, they love to give cliche answers about, oh, well, we all play the same system and we know these guys enough. And so, you know, uh, it, it's not a problem. They tell you that before a game. And so I wanted right. to see what it was going to be like after a game if they would use that as an excuse. And uh, when I asked Kopitar about that, he said, no, look, I haven't played with Carter very much, but um, I play with them a little bit on the power play and enough with them uh, in overtime and or other situations mm-hmm. to where I kind of know a little bit of his tendencies. And, and so he felt comfortable with Carter. I asked him about having Grunstrom over there and would he have felt more comfortable coming in tonight getting only one new linemate, would he have liked to have had Brownie right. or Iafalo yeah. on the line? And he said, uh, and I said, look, because with Grunstrom, you don't know this guy at all, really. And he yeah. said, look, Gr- I do know him a little bit just from having him around a little bit at the end of last year. And the, what I liked that he said was Grunstrom is real easy to adapt to. Great. So he felt that it was real easy to play with Grunstrom and 
Kopi wouldn't smile after the game, nor would I expect him to. He was really pissed off about the, the penalty kill tonight. Yeah. But if there was any positive vibe coming from Kopitar after the game, it was sort of talking about his line mates. He did seem to feel comfortable having Carter there. And and that's to me, that's a positive sign because Kopi is kind of a creature of habit and he likes yeah. he likes those safety valves of Brownie and I follow there. And to get two new line mates, he seemed to be okay with it. Well, John, that's leadership. If the coach is going to make changes, you have to embrace it. And as the leader in, in the room, the guy wearing the seat, you need to be on board with that when, when you know you're going to be, have a difficult season and you're going to have these changes, John. The change is inevitable for this team. So to not be on board with it and saying, oh, I, I like my own guys or whatever, I expect that from Kopitar because he's a leader and that, I expect him to be in lockstep with Todd when it, what he's trying to attempt here. He, he also acknowledged, hey, look, with three losses in a row, I was expecting major line change, you know, shuffling. So right. he wasn't surprised or caught off guard with it. Okay, question number two. Of these players, and by the way, people on Twitter seem to really struggle with this, DB. <laughs> I didn't say which play. It was very specific. Of these four players, and yet people love to reply to the poll with other players. <laughs> so read the question, people. Of these players, who would you like moved to the top line? This was prior to tonight's game coming in, so nobody was quite sure who was going to be up there with Kopitar. Right. Very surprised by the results. The results were 36%. Kovalchuk was the winner of these four players of Kovey, Carter, Toffoli, and Kempe. The guy that the fans wanted moved up to the top line was Kovalchuk, 36%. Jeff Carter came in at 27%. Toffoli, 21 Kempe, 17 I was surprised that Kempe even received double-digit votes. Obviously, you didn't vote for him, but Jeff Carter and Toffoli, for all that we've talked about, DB, of trying to improve those, those assets, improve the value... Why would you want Kovalchuk moved up to the top line? I guess they're still stuck in last year in those opening couple of weeks where he was playing well with Kopitar. I don't know. What's I got to check my Twitter account, John, but I think I voted for Kempe. Did you, okay, you wanted him on I the got, top line. Okay. Because you know what? If, we're, if you're banging the drum that this guy's a winger and we got to move him to winger, why not put him with Kopitar and Brown? Okay, well, he does, need to, he does need to move to wing, but let's... Let, right. okay. and, then, and then there's no excuse. Okay, but give me of excuse. those four players, though... Would you have voted Kempe or over Kovalchuk, over Carter, over Toffoli? Yeah, because I, no, I, I, I would have. Here's why. Well, you're wrong. Why am I wrong? Because you're look, you're not trading Adrian Kempe immediately. I'm not saying that, John. And so what I'm telling you is that that's valuable real estate, and you want to give it to Jeff Carter and Toffoli because those are the guys that so need the help. Trade, I get that point, but bigger picture, right? <laughs> Past the oh, season. now we're going small picture, medium picture, big picture. That's right, and bigger picture. Everybody watch. Everybody okay. reads that tweet. Um. <laughs> John, big picture, do we want to know, like, you've been banging the drum and now say, okay, wave the white flag on him as a center. Yes. Kempe, now left wing. So, let's find out. Let's give him 20 games with Kopitar and Brown. And then, then if he doesn't produce, John, then what? He's going to get his 20 games, give them to him in the second half of the year, put okay. Carter up there now, build the trade value, move him out, and then put Kempe up there in the second half of the season. If it doesn't okay. work out, then you move on from Kempe in the summer. There's it's my good answer. when we disagree sometimes. We've been, we've been agreeing too much over the last couple of years, but this is good. So I, I would just give Kempe the run now and just get to the essence of this player. What can he do with the two best forwards on the team? If he can produce that, then you move him around. But I, I get your point about raising yeah. the value of Carter and Toffoli, and, and it's it's precious time because right. the clock's ticking on their trade okay. value. Well, you're wrong on this one, okay. but that's fine. We'll All, right. All right, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give you as much as I can right now because you're going to leave me, and you're going to be gone uh, for yeah, a week over in Sweden. So you'll, you'll survive. It's, it's not the same when I give you a hard time over text. No. Okay. Well, you're you're pretty 
<laughs> no, it still You're works pretty for you. deep when it texts John <laughs> okay. too. No. Um, are you happy with the the performance of Todd McClellan as the coach of the LA Kings so far? Ninety percent said yes. Ten percent they must work for the hockey news. Yeah. And same guys who did the podcast. <laughs> Three guys in Toronto that you somewhere. referred to earlier. So okay. there you go. We can move on. There's not a lot to talk about there. Uh, Todd McClellan's doing a just fine job. Thank you to the ninety percent that got it right. Right. Um, qu- the next question: Which of these players? And again, DB people can't seem to read a question. Which of <laughs> no. these four players will be traded first? Tyler Toffoli, Trevor Lewis, Jeff Carter, or a goalie, and it has to be either Campbell or Quick, Quick. obviously, if it's going to be a goalie. Uh, 14% said the goalie, 15% said Lewis, 15% said Carter. A whopping 56% said Tyler Toffoli, and this is when my head explodes, D.B., because that's a conflict. You're you're not answering the questions in lockstep. So 56% of the people think that Tyler Toffoli is going to be traded first, but yet... He finished third place in the voting of the question a moment ago about who do you want moved up to the top line. So if you think the Kings are getting ready to trade to Foley, don't you want him playing with Kopitar right now to build his trade value? Yes and no. Yes, because you're you're no because John. Some people think it's already a fake complete and that he's going to get traded. He's a walk away free agent. They're not going to extend him. He will be traded. Right? Don't so, you want the most in return for him? Yeah, I do, but. It it, it it may not move the needle enough, John, because if you put him – here's the, the flip side of that. You put him up on the top line, and he doesn't produce, and then he craters his trade value again. That's what it was. There was some really deep thought that went into the voting, then, if that's what people were thinking. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Okay. The next question was just a fun question. Which I'm a was, deep thinker, John. Come you on. are. Hashtag deep thinker. That's coming out tomorrow. Which Kings prospect uh, was the number one star for the week – or, excuse me, the number one star of October? That's a trick question because I posted it. Yeah. So the real question was – of these Kings players, again, I should put that in capital letters. You of should, these John. Kings players. It's a you problem, not it, a them problem. I, well, not, no, it's the opposite. It's a, it. it's a them problem. Know, it's I not know. a me problem. I, I understood the question. <laughs> of these Kings players, who have you been the most disappointed in? Jonathan Quick, 44%. Tyler Toffoli, 23%. Jeff Carter, 22%. Matt Roy, 11%. And then there were a bunch of people that replied and wanted to know why I didn't put Kempe in there because Kempe was too easy. I knew that if you listen to Kings of the Podcast, <laughs> I knew you were going to just follow just Dennis blindly. Exactly. And they were, it was going to be 102% we're going to vote for Kempe. <laughs> so I tried picking a forward, a couple forwards, actually. You into, wanted a fair election. Well, not a fair election. I, I wanted just to see of these four players. Again, I, fine, I get it. Everyone's disappointed in Kempe. But the of period. these four players, and I have to tell you, I was shocked 44% picked Jonathan Quick. I don't know what people were expecting. If you looked at Quick's play last year, yeah. and you, I mean, what did you expect? You expected he was just going to come back and he was going to be Con Smythe, Jonathan Quick. I, I actually have not been as disappointed with Jonathan Quick this year. I didn't like the play early. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. They've been working on making some adjustments. Yep. I thought that he's played rather well lately. I wouldn't hang tonight's loss no, on him either. No, not at all, John. Uh, in, and and uh, uh, Kopitar, I was going to say Kempe, Kopitar talked about it after the game tonight as well, saying that, hey, look, there was some pretty goals and some tic-tac-toe goals. And and the, on the power, on the penalty, on the power play, and that Quick has been making the saves that he needs to. So I don't think that Jonathan Quick should have won that category. Three people you can't blame the loss on tonight: Tyler Toffoli, Todd McClellan. No, oh well, you can talk a lot of T's. Taylor Swift can't blame the Taylor Swift batter. Who? You can't blame the Taylor Swift. Don't batter. ever bring that name up again. That is that's that's a non-story. And that Jonathan does not Quick. even belong on Kings and, of the podcast. You can't blame Toffoli, Taylor Swift, and Quick. Okay. Okay. All right. You need to. When are you leaving for Sweden? You need to leave sooner. You're, you're getting on my nerves. You can pay for my business class okay. flight. I'll leave right now. <laughs> We're going to wrap up the first period so that Dennis can get to the airport. I'll be back in the second period to talk with Carlin. 
Welcome back. Second period here, and we have a special guest this week, DB. We're bringing in Carlin Bathe. I'm going to call you Babe, though, because it just makes it it's e- much easier. Yeah, right? it sounds close enough, right? Oh, it's yeah, good, right? Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about uh, Carolyn? Carolyn works for I saw the, the sticks earlier tonight. Carolyn Bath. Yeah, Carolyn Bath. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right. Did you have a nickname growing up, by the way? Um... No, no, not really. Just it Carl? Was, yeah, Carl's just really the only like nickname that stuck. And then now people say CB, but that's it. Okay. Nothing S- special. All right. Well, um, for those that don't know, and I don't know how, who's listening that doesn't know. You're but- clueless if you don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, you, right. uh, you're all over television now. Um, but let's take a step back because I, this, is like, this is your life. That's what we're going to do here for the second this period. This is my life. This is yep. your life. So um, I, anybody who follows you on social media knows, you know, I wouldn't say far too much, but certainly knows a lot about you. They know that you grew up in Maine. They know that you have all these animals. They know that you recently <laughs> have been engaged. So we'll touch on all that. She used but- to eat meatball subs during the cup runs. She's a big, big McDonald's uh, fan. <laughs> So uh, she runs out of gas with a car. She sometimes. does. She wow. does run it. So so this is your life, Carl. This is my life. Um, let's. We're huge call fans. That's why we know we've documented. And John, it's a great success story. Call not oh, not to pump guys, your tires here, but guys. to go from where you've come, where you started here, yeah. to where you are now. It's you're a role model for a lot of um, not just female broadcasters, but just broadcasters in general. Thank you, you. Hard work combined with talent, you can succeed in this Thanks, DB. In this world. Thanks. And if you can overcome what's happening on the ice tonight, which is apparently some sort of Halloween trick-or-treating with Dave Joseph and Bailey or something, I don't know. Oh, then, yeah. This then, is this is trick-or-treating. Okay. All right. And I remember these days back when I was on the ice crew. Okay. So let's start there, actually. Let's, let's talk about it. What do you want to know? Let's do let, I mean, I, I think that that's the real obvious question is that's such a, a hard left. Yeah in someone's career. How did that come to be? Who did you first talk to? Did you approach them? Did they approach you? Like, just give us a, a small taste of Ice Girl all the way over to what you're doing now. Like, how does that happen? The Ice Girl thing was super random. And I had moved to California that summer. They were holding auditions for their first ever true, you know, LA Kings Ice Crew. And... I remember mentioning it to my dad and he had no idea what they were because that they didn't, didn't have exist. ice girls back, <laughs> back then. The I don't think the flyers would have had ice girls. No, anyway. They had a guy with a bucket, I think just like <laughs> one, maybe, I don't know. But when I mentioned it to him, he said, you know, Oh, my buddy, Terry Murray's coaching that team. And I was like, what? Okay, cool. That sounds like a fun, like I'll go work there. And then like, you, I know one person at least. Like, but Terry nice. Murray wasn't at the auditions. I, no, I'm no, assuming no. <laughs> he wasn't like, like selecting who makes the ice crew. That's what like sold it for me. I was okay. like, okay, cool. Like, I'll have one friend. <laughs> this is great. And I went there. I wore jeans and a t-shirt. The whole like paper essentially. That's like this is what you need to wear is like spandex, sports bra. Have your hair and makeup full done. I had pigtails, barely any makeup on. There's a photo of me from audition day, like putting eyeliner on, and that's like. <laughs> story of my life like that's never reading directions and somehow getting to where i'm supposed to but be. you had a secret weapon you were an exceptional skater correct I, from your hockey from your I hockey playing days i did right? skate fairly well and i remember i think it was tim smith or someone who said like i thought you were gonna cut me like you just <laughs> scared the crap out of me and it yeah that that's the only thing that got me through guys so take a step backward you said you had just moved to california yes. what what brought you was that from maine from maine so what brought you to california then i was 19 and i was you know running away from a boy i guess 
if you really want to put it like that. But no, no I, really I really didn't want to know that because I was going to get to hammer later well, in the yeah, show. But I, I if you're going to run away, that's a far way to run. That's a yeah, far way to go. from can't, one end of the country to the other. You can't yeah. run to Hawaii because <laughs> yeah. you have to swim. So you're going to run. California is probably as distant as you can go. That's as far as I could go. It's not like I like don't love my parents and like needed to leave the house. It wasn't like that at all. It was just being like putting on my big girl pants and being like, I think I can like make a cool crazy change in my life and that's how I got here. Wait, was it sort of spur of the moment? Had you ever thought about California? Had you had like California dreams growing up or was it no, it was kind of spur of the moment? I visited my brother when I was 17. He was playing for the Stockton Thunder. It was my first ever time on a plane. So when I landed in California... Wait a minute, hold on. Yeah. Stockton was your introduction to California? Yes. And you still came back? Yes. <laughs> people people are just going out of their way to leave Stockton. Oh, and course. you're like, oh, Stockton, this is cool. I, I want to come Stockton, back. I went to Stockton. I had in and out one time and I saw two palm trees and I was sold on California. <laughs> that's what, yeah. Wow. See, that is, she's low maintenance, guys. Yeah. That is not the 209 that I'm familiar with, that's for sure. Right. But no, okay. Doesn't All right. take much to impress me. Okay. Well... <laughs> Well, good, good job, Hammer. Good yeah, job. Yeah. It, it's very. Um, that's two Hammer references. I, I put the over under at six, by the way, okay. uh, today. That's oh, that's it. Well, I'm. What I'm thinking We're is that any way over. any minute now, Hammer's going to text me and want to know how you made it onto the show before him because I actually <laughs> talked to him a couple weeks ago about coming on. Yeah. And he was really into the idea, but I failed to tell him that you were coming on before him. So oh boy. I don't know if that's going to you know create a house divided or not. It's but. in our house calendar, so he <laughs> should see it and be stewing at it, looking at it at home. Maybe right that's now. why he didn't return my last text. Oh, probably then. not. Probably not. <laughs> the thing I love most about text with Hammer is that it, it's a total crapshoot whether he's going to reply. He either replies yes. immediately or yes. randomly like three weeks later. Oh my gosh, it's the absolute worst. <laughs> oh, because so for you too then. Well, yeah, I'm no, not. I've had that situation where I've texted them both and like, oh, DB, we didn't see this. I'm like, from when? Two <laughs> yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, we, he and I are the only two people that will consistently text one another and then the rest of the world gets the crap end of the oh, stick. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Just so you all But know. you guys live together. Why do you need to text each other? Exactly. Right? Okay, all right. So, so so you moved here, running away from a boy. You moved here. You you, you showed up unprepared at the ice crew audition. Yep. You ended up getting the gig. Yep. Great job. Way to go. Thanks. But back to my original question, which is, how did you transition out of that? So you did the ice crew thing for a couple of years. And five, then, yeah. And then how did, like, you knew that it was the end, or they had told you, like, hey, five years is enough. Get out of here. Like, how did that transition to something beyond the ice crew? A little bit of both. And it's, like, so much of a longer story than I would even bore anybody here with. But... I had been taking improv classes, I had been taking journalism classes at Pierce College and really fell in love with broadcasting. And at the time when I had first started with the Ice Crew, they had Heidi Andral, who was, Dennis, you know this, like yep. I idolized her at the time. Yes, and she did. Yep. Heidi's it, awesome. She's amazing. And I had my sights set on that career in, at some time in my life. So Brooklyn Boyers and Danny Zollers, who both worked in the game entertainment side, knew that and saw, you know, me trying everything I could to kind of get there. So they'd throw a couple things my way. Brooklyn would say, you know, you want to do a video blog for the King's Ice Crew or you want to write a blog or something like that? Just little sp sprinkled little things throughout. And then I would take those opportunities and sprint full speed ahead with them. Like, oh, you wanted one? I'll give you four vlogs. And <laughs> we're going to, you know, we're going to do this, that and the other thing. And I just kept taking everything that was like somewhat sprinkled into my life and then turning it up to an 11 and mm -hmm. making it so, you know, hey, you can't say no to me because I'll do what you asked of me and then do it 10 more times, even though no one probably needs... I don't know. Yeah, but the the second me. stop was then you did in you in Arena Host. So yeah. so that was the first step. So how did that? Ha so in Arena Hosting, you? Brooklyn was pretty much like 
all right, it is your time. You're done. This is the end of the road in a nice way. And having done those video blocks for the ice crew, she knew, you know, what I was a little bit capable of at least. And there was a game that Jay Flats was going to be out for. And I asked, hey, can I just step in for him? And is that okay with you? And she said yes. And then that was kind of a little bit of a trial run. And then that summer I fully transitioned into the full-time and arena host. And then, and then how about out of that into out of that, more of a larger role? That's it. It's such a long story. I'm so boring. You guys, you know, like it's so like, that G- give us the, give us the 30 Cliff second notes, version. Cliff and then, notes. yeah. Oh my gosh. And then we'll get into straight edge and jawbreaker and so oh, many other great oh boy. stories. Oh boy. Okay. So <laughs> cliff notes on that. I had been still working toward this one career that I had in my mind from the start. And there was an opportunity to leave and go to Fox Sports National, like FS1 Digital and all that, and cover wrestling, UFC, and a little bit of NHL. And I remember it was in April. I had been offered the job. It was so hard to leave this because I'd been here for eight seasons at the time. And I talked to Danny Zollers, and he literally – pushed me out the door and was like, you have to go, kid. Like, as if like, it's your time, like yep. a dad, you know what I mean? Like totally set me up for success. And then when I left there, went to Fox, uh, made my way back to Fox Sports West. A lot of changes happened over at FS1 and especially uh, side, on the yeah. digital side. Yeah. And um, I ended up leaving before any decision was made about my position and came back to Fox Sports West, did some digital content for them. And then again, like, someone asks me to do one thing I always try and do 10 and by way of that kept creating more content and doing more with that network and then finally weaseled my way into this position now but it's working right that's the cliff notes yeah okay <laughs> there's so much more now I don't know if people know this about you but you you're straight edge so yeah. t- what's how did that happen what does it mean to you is it a big thing and hammers straight edge also your yes. fiance yeah and and just I'm sure at some point that had to be one of the things that really allowed you guys to, to click because absolutely it's very important if you're straight edge to be in, in, in yes. environments that are similar. Absolutely. So I'm, he's more by the book straight edge where, you know, he can't remember a time where alcohol was really present in his life. So since high school, he, you know, stayed away from drinking, smoking and all that stuff. And then I didn't reach that point in time until the 2012 playoffs. And when we had won the cup, I had had my last drink that night and were <laughs> was just so done with it. And it's something that, like, it was a personal choice to me that I made. And from then moving forward, I knew I couldn't be around someone or even be dating someone who was doing something like that. It was just such an important value to me to, like, s- stop. and. Carl, know. is that hard to do in Los Angeles? It is. As opposed to Maine? I think so, because it's such a, it's such a big part of everybody's lives and some people can casually drink and have a few and a lot of our friends can and do and it's just something that it's hard to find a partner I think that doesn't do that at all mm-hmm. and I knew Hammer was like yep. the dude for me because he's just you know it was what? an easy decision well let's ask about that then if you don't mind let's go sure. I mean I'm a little bit of a diehard romantic let's go back to the very beginning you tell tell people you how'd you meet Hammer and oh boy. And, and before we start can you can we quantify Hammer a little bit better oh, for the okay. people who don't know? <laughs> my fiance, We're just here having a private yes. conversation, DB. Yes. Yeah. My, my fiancé is Michael Hammer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's a friend of these two hooligans that I'm chatting with right now for everyone <laughs> listening. All-around great guy, massive Ducks fan, season ticket member. What's up? 
and uh, runs Violent Gentleman. Runs owner of Violent Gentleman. He has a business partner, Brian Talbert, and then started it with George Peros. So mm-hmm. they're all deep in this this hockey world. And when you meet Mike, he's one of the most intimidating guys that you'll ever meet. He looks scary. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. And he is a teddy bear. He really He's is. an amazing guy. I yeah. got to know him like from nice Mike Hammer. Like when yeah. I got introduced him via, he got introduced to him via email and yeah. then I met him like going, oh, oh. Well, even the name, Hammer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But he is a teddy bear. It, yeah. It's yeah. great. And plus, the, he wears the black frame glasses. And it's just, yeah. that's the last thing you think a guy when you meet like that would, would wear. But right. he's just, you. and I've said this before, you guys are the perfect couple. Yes. It's just, <laughs> I agree. I, w- when you first got together and you said, oh, yeah, I'm dating this guy's the music, I'm like, who? That's Mike Hammer, yeah. right? She, she goes, yeah. yeah. I'm like a little embarrassed, but yeah. you guys are fantastic together. I'm oh, sure thanks, it's going to be a great. I mean, you guys are already life partners, but. Uh, Can't wait so, to get so married. Then, so, <laughs> right, exactly. So back to you, John. Yeah, so give us yeah. just a little a little taste of that then. So when you guys first met, how, how quickly did you know? Was it love at first sight or was it no. a long friendship, courtship? Friend- like it was definitely friendship first because I've, I've had a lot of guy friends my whole life. And I've, I grew up with four brothers and guys are just some people I just surround myself with and happen to more than females, I guess. And I was friends with him and some of the people in his company and just like didn't know for a while. And then I went through a personal breakup. He went through a personal breakup. And then it was one of those things where it was such perfect timing that it, there was no hesitation. Like it wasn't like, Oh, should we like try to go on a couple dates first? It was like, now you're good. <laughs> like, I know you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, this kind of just works. So I'm in if you're in kind of thing. So it right. was, yeah. So recently, us, or over the summer, or whenever it happened, you were engaged. Yeah. And I am confused because according to the Instagram story, yeah. One of your friends was there, and I've never asked you about this before I can't until right to now. Tell the story. Yeah, because I did, it was like it was a surprise, but the whole time I'm thinking, how is it a surprise if the camera lady's there? Right. So, so yeah, c- just right. connect the dots on this story. So the photos came after the engagement. Does that make sense now? So she took uh, the guess. photos. <laughs> <after>. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't take the photos before you're engaged. No, so. no, but like it, like she, like okay, I guess that's not even as clear as it could be. Okay, so let me back up even more. We got engaged at the end of my parents' street, which is where those rocks and ocean is. It's yes, beautiful. beautiful. I've been right. going down there listening to emo songs and crying since That's I your was special in high school. place, That's right? My special place. Okay. <laughs> it's my very special place. Sounds very emo already. People. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he set up the drone because we always fire up the drone when he's there and we take, you know, ocean shots and we just have, you know, different seasons, different months every time we're there of the, of the drone in the ocean. And so we did it. And, per usual and he got down on one knee did it and i was losing my mind and the the footage is pretty funny because there's no audio but i'm like literally like are you serious what oh my god and he's just like is that a yes like what's happening but my friend was driving up and i had actually invited her to come see us because my best friend kat and she lives in new york now so I did the inviting just as like a come hang out with us. We're in Maine. Okay. So that's why she was there or supposed to be there. And then she didn't come take photos until after like everything was said and done. We went back down, showed off the ring and all that stuff. But it looks like she was like there catching right. all that, of it. That's happened. why I was so confused. A lot like, of people were. <laughs> yeah. How was she there? When it was, yeah. yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Magic of Hollywood. Okay. So let's, let's talk some King stuff. All right. Let's okay. do it. Um, if everyone's still listening after my life story. No, they're, they're probably listening. <laughs> my mom's still We there. We have the numbers. They're listening. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, you guys are killing it. Who's your favorite person to interview? That's a tough question. Right now, I love talking to Blake Lazat. Why? Because he's so 
full of energy and happy to be here. Happy to be <laughs> here. I would say every guy is happy to be here, but there's just this <laughs> like inquisitiveness and wonder and I don't know, spark about the way that he's viewing his time here as a king that I can just identify with because I still feel that spark and happiness when I'm here at work. Everything is still so exciting to me. So I, I, when I talk to him, I feel like we're on the same plane and it's just, it's, it's pretty sweet to get to pull things out of him yeah. like that. Who's the most difficult person to try to get stuff out of? And I don't mean like who's a jerk. That's not, sure. I'm not saying throw somebody at the rug, but yeah. like, I mean, we all have that, right? There are guys that we clicked with. We were talking about this a couple episodes ago, like mm-hmm. from day one, I just clicked with Penner. I, I yeah. we got each other. Like yeah. other people, you know, maybe didn't, um, you know, Drew, I think everybody gets true, but mm-hmm. like who's somebody that you have a challenge with that you really have to work hard to, to get quotes with just because you guys, for whatever reason, your personalities maybe don't, don't click right away. I think each guy has their own challenge Oh, that's such a safe answer. And <laughs> not even playing it safe, but like, I know that I can't talk to Dowdy the same way I talk to Quick. And yeah, I, that's true. Okay. I know that Fair answer. It, it, yep. I, I would say I talk to all of them so regularly that it's, there's not that there's a specific challenge. There's a specific way that I have to ask each guy their questions. If I don't have a, an, a question for Jonathan Quick that's about his teammates, Good luck on me getting an answer about himself, and I know that. Mm-hmm. I know that I can't go in and ask him about the great, amazing game that he played, or like the two pad jammer he had on whoever it was that night. Like Park and Wright. It's it's you, you know that like, you know that he's gonna put his teammates first. So it's not even that it's it's difficult. It's just like you know it's it's finding different ways to to pull it out of them. If that makes sense. Yes, Carl. Very early on, you look very comfortable in front of the mic and you're very at ease. What's the most difficult part of prepping for the nightly grind that you do? Being incorrect is like my biggest fear. So, are you a perfectionist like my partner over here? Uh, probably. Oh, yeah. Who are you? Okay. <laughs> well, no maybe one a little. Do you want me to tell this story? What do you got for me? When you were blowing up my phone one night, when you thought you made a mistake and, and I kept trying to tell you that it wasn't that big of a mistake. Yes. And, and yes. You, you probably, I, I, I was getting the sense that you were like, you know, going to either strangle somebody or yeah. you were going to be up all night and not get any sleep. <laughs> oh, I think about it. All my mistakes all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the level of like perfectionism. I, I, I felt that I had to talk you off a ledge that night. Oh, and for it, sure. It's just... For Look, sure. We all make mistakes. Don't yeah, worry about it. It's it's being incorrect that, that freaks me out because okay. when I watch hockey broadcasts, when you guys watch hockey broadcasts, you're looking to them for information. So if I'm not delivering proper information, it's like ah, what am I doing? But that's that's the hardest part is making sure all my numbers are right. If I'm gonna talk to somebody about I made this mistake with Alec Martinez recently. If I'm going to talk to him about how many block shots he had that night, is it two? Is it three? I better know. <laughs> and I remember dancing around it in the question. I was like, you had three block shots. I mean, I think you you might have. Oh, boy. And I just start, like, you know, going back inside my brain and freaking out a little bit. Let's wrap up with this. And first of all, thanks for stopping by. We no could have problem. you here for many more segments. Maybe we have to have you back later in the year. Oh, it's gonna we're going to have, gonna have be her a- back. But it's going to have to be after we have Hammer on Give because me- if oh, yeah, she yeah. comes on twice and Hammer only comes on once. Can I come on with him together? Maybe. Okay, fine. I mean, but we got so four fun. inputs for don't, microphone. Don't. <laughs> don't oh <my> God. <laughs> you're going to sort of steal his shine if you come on with him the this first is the time, Hammer though. Show as it is already. Okay. Well, okay. this one is not about Hammer. This okay. one is about. This one isn't about you. End on a tough. Okay. Maybe I have it. Maybe I have one. Here you go. This is it. This is what we're going to end on today, which is as your profile, your has become 
larger, moving from being part of the ice crew into where you are today, as your profile has become larger, and I'm assuming that your followers have become more, have you had to change your approach to Twitter or to social media in general? Because you're very active on social media and you you let everybody, I mean, we were joking at the top of the interview about your life and McDonald's and the cats and, you know, I mean, you are an open book, but have you had to change your approach at all to social media? Oh my God, yeah. Okay, so tell us about that. I'm so crass and rude and not rude but you know i'm so i would never describe you as rude db would you no. want to weigh in on this one no, 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 no. i don't i don't picture her that no, no. rude is the humor, like that's her else. evil twin yeah i've got i've just got this like i wouldn't say sick sense of humor but i've just i i feel like my internet personality does not accurately portray who i am at all but it shows the like very pg family friendly version of me right and i'm not talking like oh i'm carlin and i tell like dirty jokes that's not what i'm saying but like i i like no you don't you're not bob miller but like i just i I wish that everybody could have just seen the body language that you did it was like the ho 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 like you know like a pirates of the caribbean or something tough guy yeah i'm sorry you're tough yes your father was a tough man you're tough you're main from the main tough, streets of Maine. Main tough. Yes, wow, yes. Scarborough, Maine, born yes, and bred. That's tough right. As nails, that's right. Tough as they come. Mean Street mean Posse streets. is not from uh, Scarborough, Greenwich, Maine. Connecticut. No, no, Mean Street Posse they're, is from, from Maine. Scarborough, Maine. Yes, okay. Yeah, I feel like I dial it back. I feel like I'm very PG online, and I feel like I take away some of the biggest parts of what makes me me, and I don't put that on the internet. Like, I love going to shows. You know this. Yes, I love yep. watching wrestling. You know this. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. These are things that I've toned down a little bit, but I want to tweet about the new Menzingers album and have people interact with me, but nobody nobody cares. So I kind of keep it to the stuff that people, I guess, care or respond to, right. and then save the rest for real life. But I would <laughs> say that I, I'm not as PG as Twitter and Instagram make me seem. Well, then let's throw a bonus one at you here. This you is got? your opportunity to to promote oh, a pro wrestler that is underrated that you're really high on. And I, I don't. I'm not setting you up for Brody King, by the way. But is there somebody well, that's like that's, that's your guy? Okay, that's, that's what it's going to be. Gonna say. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah. I, I didn't want you to think I was trying to you know throw you a softball. Which I okay. So it's Brody King. Brody you love. You're big on Brody King. Big on Brody King. Is that because he's straight edge? No, he's a friend of mine. Okay. So he. Do you know how we know each other? No, I don't. I just know that every time that I tweet about Brody King, then then you get oh, excited. So you're a legit friend. Oh, yeah. Your I was at his wedding. <laughs> yeah, a legit oh, friend. That- <laughs> no, not like a, no, she's like, like a Twitter friend. Facebook friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, friend. no, no. Oh, well, no. then Brody King's my friend, too, then. No, I came to his... I went to his wedding. I've known him for years. He was best friends with a former uh, partner of mine, and I... I don't want to say, you know, oh, I'm the reason he got into wrestling, but he was somebody. <laughs> but who, you can claim it. Let's but go. No, he knows this, and we've talked about this, and we thank one another for being in each other's lives. But this, this wrestling has always meant so much to him. And the partner that I was dating at the time tried to take lessons at Santino Bros Wrestling School, and you know, it didn't work out. He didn't really. He wasn't that interested in. But um, Brody, his real name is Nate. Nate was super interested in it, and uh, my partner at the time and I were you know, encourage him, hey, this is something that you should try to do. Go all in. You're a big man. You're heavily tattooed. You've got a look that maybe somebody would love down the line. He has a great look. It's insane. And he's a phenomenal athlete. And he started, and he wrestled in high school, but he started this type of wrestling at age 27. And it's just like such an insane success story. I'll pump his tires until the day I die. And I love that kid to death. So that's, that is the most underrated special story of a wrestler and I I freaking love him so watch Brody King whenever you can great way to end it
That's it. Babe or bathe or bath or Carlin or what? Carl. Or Carl or what, yeah, Carolyn. whatever. Carol. Hammer's chick. Hammer's chick. <laughs> Hammer's chick. <laughs> whatever, whatever we call you, we're happy to call you friends, uh, a friend, and yes. thank you for coming and, on. And we're thrilled for your success. And just, Thanks, just guys. keep going. Thanks just for keep having going, me. I, I really appreciate this. The okay. Podcast rocks, by the way. Thank just you. Love listening to it. Appreciate it. Are we going to the third period or first? What are we? We're, go, we're, we're going. going to third. You we're know the, the she knows the format. She does. Yeah. Big she fan. Does. We'll love be- the format. Where's Dave Joseph? <laughs> we'll be back, folks, with the third period. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the mayor. Have to tell you, DB, I love coming into the third period with uh, the cult and the rain, which means that we are getting to the rain report. Yes. And earlier tonight, uh, we're taping this right after the Vancouver Kings game. And earlier tonight, I tweeted out the update on Gabe Velarde. Breaking news. He is going to be joining the Ontario rain for practice. Practice. Pra- we're talking about practice. We not are the ta- game. No, we- no, not a game yet. Not the so- actual game, but no, practice. But look, this is a positive thing. And as I hundred percent, as I've tweeted out over the last couple of days, I have talked to a number of people inside the organization. I mean, anybody that and everybody that's in my phone. I've been texting and calling, and, and I want a lot of people. I want to get folks, all the data points I knew. can on Gabe Velarde. Everybody is cautiously optimistic. Everybody loves what they're hearing. Loves what they're seeing. Um, from his time out on the ice, he's been spending time with uh, uh, Craig Johnson. He's been spending time with Jarrett Stoll. They've been monitoring everything. He seems healthy. He seems uh, ready to go. Like, like wow. But, I mean, they're not putting him in the game yet, and he's not going to travel with the team next week either. But he is going to get into practices. But on, there's movement, John. That's yes, the thing. Moving in the right direction. That's, just, that, that's and, a game changer if, every, if it gets to the point. Everything right. is on schedule. The guy arrived in L.A. He was going to skate on his own for a while. Then they were going to integrate him into practice. Right. So everything He's is bounced of- back after going on ice for sessions. It's it's a really good sign. So that's the update on Gabe Velarde. I'm sure that uh, in the weeks to come, we'll have further updates for you. Of course, you can follow along on Twitter at Mayor NHL. You can follow DB to see if they let him back in the country when he goes <laughs> to Sweden at Dennis TFP for the fourth period. Uh, let me give you a quick rain report here. Let me throw you some stuff at you, DB, and then Please, we'll, we'll talk about some prospects. Um, the Ontario rain now, they continue to roll. They're 6-1-1. One, one. Last week, they swept a home-and-home home series with the uh, San Diego Gulls. They won 6-2 on Friday. Grunstrom had two goals. Uh, Mikey Isimont had a power play goal. Matt Luff had a goal as well. It must be the underwear, <laughs> if you don't get the or reference. It's, or it's Marshmallow. Uh, well, t- yeah, well, the goals came before Marshmallow. So the, <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, go to Matt Luff's Instagram account and you can see uh, he's now selling disposable underwear or something. I don't understand. <laughs> we'll have to get him on the show. Yeah. Also, you should go to Boko Imama's uh, Instagram account because you can see Matt Luff dressed up as a fireman for Halloween. So there's a little hot tip for you. <laughs> That's <there>. great. <laughs> Coming at you from all angles. <laughs> all angles. Uh, and then, of course, on Saturday at home at the garage, they picked up a 3-2 win. Uh, Jod had a goal. Grundo had two apples. Uh, Bjorn Foot picked up a goal. And uh, Matt Luff had another goal as well. So we had goals in back-to-back games. Matt Luff playing well. You know, one, one of our fans asked me if I was going to make the trek out. When I was going to make the trek yeah, out. Yeah, when Ontario. are you? Mm, 
Well, Still not. It just can't make it to the calendar. I keep thinking about the ten on a Friday night in Irwindale, and I just well, can't forget get Friday. Better. I don't know why you keep mentioning Irwindale. Is that like where you stop to get gas? It's where your the house in Ontario is. Isn't it the, the Miller Brewery out there? Yes, that way? that's that's Irwindale, but Ontario yeah. is still another thirty minutes. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's, it's that far out away. Okay. All right. Well, it, you know. And our epic producer, quasi-producer, Spike Hoffman, mentioned maybe a Sunday afternoon game. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to watch well, football. I'm going to pass some football. to. No, they don't okay. do the three and threes anymore. So it's a Friday-Saturday league now. They don't do oh, the Friday-Saturday-Sunday. Friday, Saturday, yeah. Okay. I mean, there might be a Sunday game, but nothing soon. So this weekend, again, is another Friday-Saturday situation. Um, it's back-to-back home games with the Bakersfield Condors, home of the uh, Edmonton Oilers. They're coming to town on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And then the rain. I'll be here for Chicago and the Kings. Okay. And then the rain will be going on the road. I'm going to make a commitment at at one game this season. Well, I already have you committed to the All-Star game, but that's a league event. (laughs) That's a league. That's not a rain event. I know. So now you're having me drive out the 10 twice. 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 Well, get a hotel room. (laughs) Stay the night. Um, Sam Manuel. That's a little further east from there, yeah. I don't know. Go to the Doubletree in Claremont. They're a sponsor of the Ontario <laughs> Rain. There's your free plug I'm for the Doubletree in Claremont. I'm a West Sider, you know. Uh, okay. Valley, well, actually. But, okay. but And you're a Marriott guy, because I'm a Hilton guy. You're a Marriott guy, right? I got the Bonvoy app. I've got yeah. the Hyatt app. I've got a lot of It's all of about apps. Hilton Honors, man. You got to... You got I don't know. I, I got 18,000 points on Hilton Honors. 18,000? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I know I'm not. 18, I'm not rolling like you, Mayor. <laughs> okay. I get it. <laughs> I think I have like 800 Marriott points, but on Hilton Honors, uh, you have to keep that around 80,000. So you yeah, yeah, have, you I know. Have, you always have at least two nights stay on your in your. Account. I'm trying, babe. All right. Um, so that's the Ontario Rain Report. Uh, uh, next week they're going to be heading out on the road. They're going to play two games in Colorado and then two games in Iowa, playing against the Wild. Uh, of course, the baby Minnesota Wild. Yes. I don't know if they're any more exciting than the the real thing, but... I'm thinking no. Okay. Um, I do want to mention, Dennis, that on our weekly yeah. po- uh, prospect tracker yes. on Mayor's Manor, we dropped a new feature, which is the three stars of the month. So the three stars for October. Artie Kaliev, this guy, dude, yeah. I'm telling you, he's out of, awesome. out of his mind. He scored again today. Uh, he was the number one star. Sammy Fagamo was the number two star. And Turcotte was the number three star. But I, speaking of Turcotte, I want to mention this Kings on Kings crime because this is always something yep, that you know, you I've been promoting stuff. through yep. the years on, on Twitter. It's part of the Mayor's Manor thing. There's, there's something big happening. Uh, two games set. You can catch both games on television, not on Fox Sports West, but on the other Fox Sports channels. The regional and, the RSNs, right. And if you have DirecTV, you can you pick can them up. You can pick them up, right. And I've, I've tweeted out the, uh, the channels. I forget the channel right at this particular moment, but it's, it's on my Twitter. It's number seven. Uh, Wisconsin, which of course is coached by Tony Granado, and you have Turcotte there. And number 12, Penn State, and that's where Cole Holtz is, which was yep. a draft pick of the Kings a couple years ago. Yep. I do want to give you a couple nuggets. Number one, from what I understand, Cole Holtz will be turning pro at the end of his junior season this Great. year. You can expect to see him with the American uh, Hockey League affiliate there in Ontario next year. That's Cole Holtz. He's a defenseman. His game has really come together, especially on the offensive side of the puck. And uh, I'm going to have a write-up coming up on him um, soon. But here's the reason I want to point this game out. Not only do you have Turcotte versus Cole Holtz, which is Kings on Kings crime, there are two other players in this game that could potentially become L.A. Kings property over the next year. How so? Well, you have Dylan Holloway, who is one of the draft-eligible players on the University of Wisconsin. He's a six-foot center. The kid shoots left. People love his speed. They love his hands, his vision. He played for Canada at the U18s in the Halinka tournament. He's going to go in the first round. Okay. So regardless of whether the Kings have one pick or multiple picks and where they pick in the draft, regardless, this kid is a first-round pick in the 2020 draft. Mm-hmm. Dylan Holloway, okay. watch him in the game. Okay. And there's another guy who plays at Penn State. His name is Alex 
Limoges, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, he was an unrestricted free agent last year. And a few right. episodes back, you referenced the Mayor's Manor uh, college free agent article right. that I put out every year. Yes. He was on that list. The Kings had interest in him. From what I understand, they almost drafted him as well. So there, there is interest right. in and around this particular um, player. And uh, he's a center or a left wing. He makes great plays, tight in traffic. And in talking with one of his teammates last year, they rave about his puck protection. So those are just some some crib notes there to uh, to keep in mind when you're watching Penn State versus Wisconsin. You might be watching four future Kings prospects, not only two in Turcotte and Cole Holtz. I'm also getting the real sense that Turcotte is going to be one and done. Uh, we we oh, talked really to, yeah, in part. I mean, the Caulfield thing is real. Like I talked to you yeah, about it before. Sure. Montreal is going to make damn sure that he turns pro <laughs> at the end of the year. So, I mean, could things change? Sure. Could they go to the Frozen Four and could everybody decide to come back? It's possible. But you figure that uh, guys like Keandre Miller are going to be gone. You right. figure that Caulfield's going to be gone. Turcotte's probably going to be one and done. But again, it's way too early to say with any sort of definitive answer, and the player hasn't come out and said it. And one thing we know about kids, they love to change their mind. So I wouldn't be betting any money <laughs> on college this. college freshman. Exactly. I wouldn't At bet. Wisconsin, which is a great party school. So hey, let's go. Look, there's nothing wrong with him playing a second year under Tony Granato either. The Kings don't need him next year. John, they need to do what the Red Wings did and just to overpercolate their, their prospects. Can we get it, a button for that so you just every time you say it, you just... Red yeah. Wings, just label the button. It just that model works. Just there's no rush for these players. Please, I know that tough nights like tonight when the penalty kill stinks. You want better players on the team. You have to have patience with all these players. Let them let them progress. Let them mature. Let them physically grow, and then they'll come here at the right time. Speaking of prospects, DB, I do want to give another one though. Uh, Mavari, who is the kid that plays yes, overseas Jacob, with right. with Frolunda. Uh, look, if you go back in, into the archives of Mayor's Manor, when he was drafted, Mark Unetti took a little bit of heat at the time because he said that he believed that uh, Mavari had the highest hockey IQ of anybody in the draft. And then mm-hmm. people would bang on him. Well, why was he taken so late right. in the draft? Like a fourth rounder, I believe. Um, and it's because of his skating. And so I'm going to yeah. get into a whole thing about his skating and why it works differently over on the uh, the European ice. But from what I understand, Mavari is going to be coming over for rookie camp next year, which is a good sign. He's been over once before. He's yes. going to come back. And so there's uh, some prospect updates for you, DB. Great. Uh, let's get into the NHL. Let's talk a little bit about that. There's sure. some things. I think there's some fun topics, but first we have to talk about injuries. Um, down there in Anaheim, DB, it is it rough is like, day it today. Is, it's rough. Uh, two yep. defensemen. Uh, you have uh, Manson. He's going to be out five to ten weeks. Lindholm is going to be out. He's day-to-day with the lower body. And then up the forwards, uh, Kasha, he's day-to-day yeah. with a jaw injury, which never sounds day-to-day to me. Right. But it's a good thing that it's not a concussion because he had. I think he's had previous concussion issues. So that's a good thing. But to lose those defensemen, when you play a defensive game, that's going to be a big challenge. But hey, look, John, they've always has, they always have a pipeline in Anaheim. So it's going to be severely tested over the next you know four to six weeks with those two big injuries. That's a tough one. They're hanging in. They're still getting great goaltending play from... Uh, John Gibson and Ryan Miller, but that's going to be real. They're going to have to score a lot of goals with those two defensemen out. I'm not sure they have it there. Well, they their depth is typically at the forward level, not so much at the defenseman. Um, but I, I think there might be a Daryl. I don't know. Maybe I'm stretching here, but I think there could be a Daryl Sutter connection to something. Um, yeah. They called up this kid from San Diego, and he had three assists in the game last night. Interesting footnote was that he played a couple years at uh, Red Deer, which is where Brent Sutter was yeah. the coach. I was, sure. su- yeah. I was surprised that he was called up um, over Chris Weidman, for example. Right. And I'm just wondering, it reminds me of the whole Dwight King, Jordan Nolan call-up where there were 
higher-rated prospects in Manchester. They sent yeah. Daryl there, and he comes back home to L.A. with Jordan Nolan and Dwight King, and everybody was like, huh? <laughs> I'm not saying it was the same thing, but it, it very well could have been a Daryl Sutter move yep. to bring this kid up. And uh, good if he had anything to do with it, I mean, good on him. The kid had three assists, and, and Dallas Eakins was, was really excited about him after the first game the other night. Yeah, they're going to need all help right now to just stay in it. And they're look, they've exceeded their expectations based on their defense. But, look, if they can – uh, Adam Henrique's had a great season so far. I mean, he's the him and Silverberg are probably the the key to those guys. If they stay in the punter's chance of being in a in a playoff discussion come March, early April, those two guys are going to have to produce. But I just don't think there's just not enough quality up front to think that the kid, those two guys will have to produce, and then the kids are going to have to put up 15 or 20 goals each. I just don't see it this season. But a year two from now, uh, they could be a dangerous team again. Yeah, for sure couple of other NHL-related things. DB, earlier we, we talked about polls and results. I don't know if you saw this earlier today, but the NHL Seattle group uh, did a significant survey among hockey fans or potential customers of theirs up in Seattle, and they came away with some interesting things. Um, for example, 66% of the, and they had like 200,000 people or something that replied to this. It was ridiculous. Right. 66% uh, of them wanted a fairy horn as the goal horn. <laughs> I don't know why you needed to take a survey on that, but I guess they wanted no. to know what type of uh, goal horn you wanted. For, oh, a fairy. A fairy, yeah. Like, you know, you like said a, fairy, like a... No, a fairy. fairy like godmother. You, no, like if you're on Balboa Island down in... Okay, yeah, and that makes sense for okay. Seattle. You'd have to go back behind the orange curtain to know what Balboa Island is, but... Yes. Um, how about this then? It's, I mean, they didn't really want to get into the specific name of the team, but how about this? 31% wanted the team to be named after a mythical sea creature... 28% wanted it to be named after an actual sea <laughs> animal and 26% wanted it to be named with some sort of historical reference. So I'm assuming that the mythical sea creature was the Kraken and that the historical yeah. reference would have been to the Metropolitans. The sea animal, I don't know, like like a dolphin? I don't know. What, what is a... Otter? I don't know. A Seattle otter? You and the person who wrote the poll question should get together and form a poll company. Because they need my help? Yeah. <laughs> These are Maybe help each other. People helping. People. Okay. Exactly. Um, and then this was an even more bizarre one. 35% said that they wanted the, the team name to be named after something that could swim. 27% <laughs> wanted it to be named after something that uh, created fear and uh, that people were fearful yeah. of. And 26% uh, they wanted it to be something that could fly. I've never heard of these type of poll questions before. For the name of a Were team. Were those the answers, or those were just unsolicited? No. Was it open-ended questions? No, no, no. They, open they, answers. Like, yeah, there's like, here, were, here's multiple choice. That. Okay. If you had a choice, do you want the new Seattle team to be named after something that swims, something that creates fear, or something that flies? flies. Like, I don't even know. I would stop taking the survey. The Dumbo fly what, what, yeah, with the big ears. Well, he could fly. Yeah. Uh, no, I, Seattle Dumbos. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Took me a second to get there. Okay. Um. For the final thing tonight, DB, how about yeah. we talk about Jonathan Taves um, had an interesting yes. idea that I'm actually on board with. He suggested, for those that didn't see it earlier this week, he suggested that the NHL completely goes away from the schedule as we all know it in, in the 100-plus year history of the National Hockey League. And he would like to see where teams play clusters 
of games. So, you know, if you go into New York, you can hit all three teams, and, and that's it, because he said that his team goes multiple visits into the Tri-City area. Right. They can hit them all. Or when you come to L.A., you would play L.A. and Anaheim, maybe a three-game set, two against one, one against the other. But the idea was to, it's a little bit more like a baseball schedule, yes. but it's not quite baseball. Mm -hmm. um, but he thought that with less travel that the players would be better rested and that the performance on the ice would be better, that the game would be better, and uh, that there would be cost savings involved. There would be, you know, it'd be better on their bodies, less taxing, all those sorts of things. Now, the obvious thing that I think that fans would, would immediately ask in terms of like being a negative thing would be, well, hold on, then I'm not going to see every team yeah. every year right? because that cluster I'm either not going to or they're not coming here. So uh, And everybody wants to see Chicago and Pittsburgh and Tampa. Do right? you? Does right. everybody want to see Chicago at this point? Well, I think a lot of people in Los Angeles want to see Chicago because okay. a lot of people from Chicago are here. All right. More so than seeing Columbus, John? Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah. I mean, if you had a choice of a three-game set against Columbus or a three-game set against the Blackhawks, you would take it. But yeah. would you rather, though, again, big picture, would you rather see the overall play of the league and of each game being that much better because of less travel. Mm -hmm. So do, do you like the ideas? Where I like, I'm going it's with a it? hypothesis, John. I don't know if it actually would improve the game, to be honest with you. And the other thing is building availability. In these cities, would you have the ability of it? Like Staples Center, you couldn't have three days in a row? Mm. No, sir. Yeah. Lakers, Clippers, Sparks, concerts. It would be very difficult, I think, to do it in some cities. Well, the Clippers are getting ready to move out in a couple of years. They're yeah, building a new true. building, so you yeah. get a little bit more availability. It would be, it, I think, There's nothing going on in Anaheim. There's only one team. No, there's only one team there. So it's, Yeah. But they have other events here. Your precious UFC and other concerts and stuff like that. So I, I, I get it. I understand it. I, I think the, the salient point for me would be the, the lesson of travel. Yes. If you can get less travel for these teams, I think it's less wear and tear on the bodies. I don't think it's going to prevent injuries because I don't think that that injuries in and of themselves start because through fatigue. I think it's just a very fast game at very high speed. These players run into each other; they're going to hurt. They're going to hurt each other, right? But mm. I, I, I think there is something to the travel. I mean, it, it it is unnerving when you get into a hotel room at two in the morning. I mean, you and I have traveled. We know what it's yeah. like. And I mean, yes, they don't travel the same way as a normal traveler. You know, they. They do get a little bit of preferred treatment and whatnot, not only on the plane, but also boarding the plane, but still going up and down and the time change and all that stuff. I mean, I see the uh, hypothesis. I, I don't know the reality. It, would, it actually would change things. And would it still be an 82-game schedule? Um, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's the one thing. If it's a, it, they're not going to take less gate. Right. This this league still survives a lot on its gate. Yeah, well, it is. Receipt, this, so. this is a live event uh, yeah. A league at the present Live time, season, be, yes, because right. because the this television not the NFL. no the television contract is not there now. When the television contract comes due, maybe sports rights continue to go up oh, across they'll, all. They'll get more money. Yeah, across across all leagues, sports rights are going up because right. live television is difficult yep. to pin people down. Sports is still a destination. Yep, and it has the target demographic of eighteen to forty four. And now you everything have else is on all DVR. These are like ESPN Plus, you have yes. you have an ever ending thirst for content, and this is still compelling content. So, yeah, I think the salary cap's going to go up. Now, the question is, how does that affect uh, escrow? Right? No, the, the real trip. question is, how many people need to go through this damn door, Dennis? I don't understand. I don't know. It's an emergency exit door in the press box at Staples that at nobody midnight. uses. Yeah. But yet, every time we decide to record at well, midnight. Well, it's better than the bell ringing at the elevator. <laughs> I think that's it, because that was coming up and down. So. DB, it's been fantastic. You're, uh, you, you need to go home and pack. Yeah, I, I well, I have a few days, but do yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Saturday game against Chicago, and then uh, Tuesday night we'll be flying to London and connecting through. Actually, Dave Pagnot and I will be on the same flight from London 
to Stockholm. Um, together again. Together again. We'll probably be drunk on that flight. It'll be a really good flight. And then um, we'll get a, a day or a day and a half in Stockholm. The games are, are Friday and Saturday, and we'll come home Sunday. And those games are already sold out, right? Yeah. They, they sell it, those they, things they out they immediately. Out, and it's, it's, it's great. It's, you know, watching games overseas, it's, it's expensive to fly over in hotels and things of that nature. But if fans can ever get over, like when the Kings eventually get over, it's a fantastic Next experience. Year. The great thing about it, John, and, you know, you're a, a geek when it comes you geek out when it comes to hockey jerseys. There's so many different hockey jerseys in the crowd because it's, it's not just That's a good about, save, by the way. You said you're a geek, and then yeah, you, you, you reeled it back in yeah, quickly. Exactly. I did. Good job. <laughs> I, there's so many different jerseys in the in the uh, in the uh, in the crowd, and people just love the game. And yet it's automatic. So it's like last year when we were in Helsinki, uh, we they played at the Joker Arena, and usually they, I asked one of the people that worked there, one of the the, uh, the um, ushers, you should drive about five six thousand people. Sold out ten minutes. The games were sold out. So there's a there's a, a, a real thirst for NHL hockey over there. And obviously with respect to Tampa tonight, it's funny because John Cooper said we need to get Victor Hedman healthy for Sweden. So this is a special event, a special occasion. And every year they bring out these teams to Europe because at last year it was um, uh, Barkoff and Patrick Lane. So this year it will be Buffalo and uh, and Tampa Bay. So it will be Victor Hedman. It will be Rasmus Dahlin. So it's going to be a – I really, really look forward to it. And uh, Stockholm's a, a great place. So I have to get used to the sun going down at you know 3.30 in the afternoon. But it should be a lot of fun for the fans there. And, you know, you mentioned Hedman. It, it is interesting how – uh, motivated the teams are to put certain players in those games. It is yep. it is said that one of the reasons the Blackhawks were interested in Dominic Kubalik, as we discussed in the last yep. uh, episode, leak like a leaky faucet. One of the reasons they were interested in him was because they were going overseas to yep. start the season this year. So it's just it, it's funny how that factors into some of the trade discussions now. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's a it's a great event, and like I said, the Europeans just love the NHL, and it's going to be sellouts two nights, and it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun for us. That's a wrap on the Decasode. That is our 10th episode, DB, Kings of the Podcast. Thank you to the fans and everybody else. And with it being the week of Halloween and Dias de los Muertos and all that stuff, there's no better song to go out to or no better band because when I think of this time of the year, DB, I think of Oingo Boingo, and that's where we're going out to tonight. We'll talk to you soon, fans. London Stock Exchange Group is here to be your essential global markets infrastructure and data partner, where Open isn't just a platform, but a philosophy, giving you the freedom to make your mark in the world. LSEC. Open makes more possible.